Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton the Third, and we are continuing our What If coverage, the animated series on Disney+. Plus. As we get to Episode 7, Party Thor, what if Thor was an only child? And yeah, we'll get into that title thing in a second, because I do have some thoughts about that. But, 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 uh, let's introduce the panel first. We have the super producer, Jake Christie, in the house with us. Jake, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you, AC? I am good. I am not too bad. Uh, Jerome Chang is a little slightly under the weather. Wishing you well, Jerome. Hope you feel better and get back with us next week. And uh, we do have our friend Dalbin Osorio in the house. Dalbin, how are you? I am doing good, man. I think this episode was written for me, you know, because I've always often thought about what if I was an only brother. Shout out to my brother, the Giants fan. Uh, but no, super <laughs> pumped to be back with you guys as always. Really excited. Uh, we're hitting the home stretch, right? We only got a couple episodes left of what if. So I'm, I'm pumped. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, and there's there's it's an interesting juxtaposition that this episode does because basically for the most part there are no real stakes in this episode it doesn't feel like all of the other ones since you know it's basically since the t'challa star lord episode like everything has been heavier much heavy like you just feel the weight of everything in every single episode and this was i i at least thought it was a nice palate cleanser um, just overall as an episode, I thought it was very entertaining. It was very funny. Love the cameos, though. All of them were pretty, pretty darn fun. Um, the episode premise is something that I did want to discuss because I almost feel like they're not they're not making these clear in a sense, because when you say what if Thor is an only what if uh, what if Thor was an only child? And obviously the story is Loki. Uh, is given back to the Frost Giants by Odin. To me, that this doesn't really mean anything towards Thor's development. Like, it doesn't necessarily do anything. And the same thing as Jake mentioned last week with Tony Stark and being forged in fire and all this other stuff. It just feels like a lot of these premises don't coalesce with the episode itself. Now, I don't know exactly what that is or what that means, but um, Dalvin, in this case, I'll, I'll, start, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, what have you thought of the way that they've tried to do these premises and what they've actually meant to the episode? Yeah, yeah. So I when when you know when I joined you guys from the other universe the last time, um, <laughs> I know we we kind of figured we were like, oh, party Thor. This is that kind of episode, right? Uh, and it was actually much more profound than just Thor throwing a big bash on Midgard, right? Like it was much deeper than that. Um, I do wonder, man. And the whole time I've been I've been kind of thinking about this because I, I realized again we only have two episodes left, and we have so much going on in live action, right? We have the Eternals and Shang Chi's breaking box off his records and Spider-Man No Way Home. I wonder if what if season one is going to be one of those seasons where at the end it finally all makes sense because I kind of feel that and I think Jake you might have said this a couple of episodes ago it's when you were talking about how lucky Marvel has been right throughout throughout their their kind of right and because some of this can't be foresight right I just I just don't think that's what it is but like this was enough. I, I think they, they've been using a lot of misdirection. I think that they've been using a lot of uh, 
a lot of plot armor, if you will, right? Which if this was live action, right? Like I think there'd be things that we could point out but because it's animated, sometimes it's tough to, to kind of gauge that. But I think at the end of it, when we get to the end of episode nine, I think it'll I think it'll all make sense. But I do feel a little bit as if it's a little disjointed right now. And part of me does wonder if it's because this is the first time in a long time where we don't know what the end game is. Right. So these stories kind of feel a little all over the place. Right. And then you have titles. So, for example, when when they released this again, I think I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be a very much a party. Thor, Thor, Thor throws a big a party. Same thing with the Killmonger episode. I think a lot of people thought that that was going to be a what if Tony Stark wasn't captured. Right. How would the yeah. universe have gone? So I think there's been these these there's been misdirection at play, I think. And that I'm very curious to see how they land this bird, because maybe it is one of those that it makes sense at the end of it, but maybe it's one of those that it just does not make any sense at all. And, and it still leaves us wanting more. Jake. I don't think that this, they can make this specific problem make sense at the end only because the problem is that what they're doing. I, I think that they're, they're yada yadaing a lot of the in-between, like if the prompt of the episode is what if Thor was an only child, they're not spending nearly enough time on why that makes him a party boy. Right. Like if because if you want to do that and say if you want to if you want to just jump right to being a party boy, make it what if Thor didn't care about being king. Right. But the fact that they like it's where you choose to start the branch and the fact that they're starting a lot of these branches really far back, but then not really being interested at all in the actual development of it. Like that's kind of what is frustrating about it, because I think that's so much of what from what I understand made the comic interesting is that it was a very clear what if this happened and we start at that moment. Right. And that's what we see where it's like, OK, what if Thor was an only child? I'm, and I'm willing to believe that because he didn't have competition with Loki, that he then, you know, was less responsible and became a party boy. But that is like a lot that needs to be a couple minutes of the episode. That can't just be the prologue. Like, because that's the interesting thing is why did him not having Loki make him irresponsible? Um, yeah. There's something to be said for and when you talk about inconsistency, like just generally the way that the structures of these episodes are because i think it's a lot to cram in in 32 minutes uh, i think for example i mean if you think about the killmonger episode they try to cram like five different mcu types of projects and things that they've done in the past and try to put new twists on them and this one was and the thing that works about this one is that it's just really it's one central story and I think that's the that's really the highlight of it. So I am curious to see how they choose to close it. Does it become something more serialized in these last two? Obviously, leading up with the with the last little bit that we'll get to a little bit later. But I do want to jump into not really the plot because the plot is is obvious. Like Thor is just having a grand old time. And Arnie Thor is in the house tonight. <laughs> Everybody just having. <laughs> yeah and i i i think that i think that part was fun and i also i just love that hemsworth gets to ham it up as and and lean into the kind the comedic aspect of himself that makes the thor character as beloved as it is and this continues that fact um we might as well just jump into this like right off the bat natalie portman came back for this episode Mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum yeah. is in this episode. Well, I think Natalie Portman is the important one to focus on because she's yes. famously like the fact that not only did she come back, it's one thing to come back because Taika wants you, right? Because Taika is an Academy Award winning writer director, right? You get it. But to come back for this, really, uh, and I think actually, like, 
putting an effort into it more than a lot mm-hmm. of other people, um, which is surprising because I think that we all, I, I, in terms of phone in performances in the MCU, her and Thor The Dark World is really up there. <laughs> um, but like, I really respect it. And I thought that she was really, really funny in it in a way that she hadn't been, except for like parts of the original Thor. But I think that that, well, obviously Hemsworth having fun really made the episode work. It wouldn't work without that. But the, the surprising thing was how well Natalie Portman played the elements that were like, because she had a lot of the comedic lifting in it. Um, well, you wouldn't expect that necessarily, but I, I thought I really enjoyed uh, the way that she played everything. Yeah, I, I think too, I think what's what's cool about it, I think Natalie Portman, as you were talking, Jake, I was like, man, what NBA player can I compare to where she, you know, just absolutely coasts some days and dominates the others? Because I think people forget, you know, Natalie Portman can act, right? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, think, I think people forget that because Thor The Dark World was like the equivalent of, of acting with a damn wall or whatever. But I think she, she's James Harden, man. She's the James Harden of the MCU, <laughs> you know? And, and I think this... This made me really excited because I think Thor Love and Thunder is going to have a lot of that comedic stuff that Ragnarok had. And I think you're right, Jake. I think I, I, in terms here, she carried a lot of the comedic stuff and she's going to have to do that in, in, in Thor Love and Thunder, right? Like, I think she's going to get a lot of opportunity to, to, to carry that. She's going to be the, for lack of a better word, I mean, the heart of the movie, right? Um, and I think, I mean, having her back, I think was so dope. And you're right. She came back and actually worked, right? She came back and actually worked. This wasn't where she's just like, oh God, I got to do this. I'm contractually obligated to do this. This was not forcing Hugo Weaving back as Red Skull, right? Which I think is, we would get a but, terrible but, performance. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, wait, I mean, they didn't do that. Is the, yeah, right, the, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that it does give me a lot of hope for Love and Thunder because I think that there's a thing that we do as a society to actresses that if they go their first few years without being in a broad comedy, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, she's not funny. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. I think the movie No Strings Attached isn't that good, but right. it's not good because Ashton Kutcher is in it. It's like, yeah. she's like really trying. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think that that's something that I'm really excited to see because I think that even Thor probably, like the first Thor, I feel like gives her some stuff to do. Um, and then, you know, like I really... She's voting it in the dark world, but I can't exactly blame her. But anyway, I think that she really, the comedic timing she has in this, especially when she's on the phone with Thor, is really like, it's just great stuff. Also, Kat Dennings, uh, another ace performance by Miss Darcy. Uh, that was that was a tremendous, her getting a shotgun wedding to one Howard the Duck. One of the highlights of the episode by far. So, so funny. That whole night, the way that they did, it was a hangover style um, everybody wakes up all all drunk and hungover. It was just so, so fun, man. I really, really, really enjoyed that. But before we move on to more plot, we talked about voices. Jake, all of these damn voices showed up yeah. to this episode, and one Chris Evans did not. Yeah. Well, one, I just want to mention, obviously, that Brie Larson didn't show up. Uh, I'm, I'm questionable about her not doing it. Mostly because... I, I have to imagine it's a contractual thing because she showed up to do Shang-Chi and like, she's like very active on like YouTube and stuff. And I think has her own podcast. So I'd be really like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she just is, maybe she is as much of a nightmare as the anti-feminists on the internet make her seem to be. But she might um, be booked and busy though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's, um, but the thing I really appreciate about the person who took her over is that she simultaneously like sounded enough like her, but wasn't trying to do an impression like the guy who did Tony Stark or when Lake Bell did Black Widow, like it just felt like someone doing a performance but anyway jeff goldblum showed up sam jackson showed up for like three lines now obviously sam jackson probably just recorded his lines when he's doing the other one but still tom hiddleston did you know uh kobe smolders showed up uh you mentioned yeah cat denning showed up 
Um, who else was in this? Uh, Taika showed up. Um, I mean, just who, like, really, this is a murderer's row of people. I mean, Jeff Goldblum probably is the biggest one. Um, Karen but, Gillian, too. What? Oh, Karen Gillan, yeah. Karen she, Gillan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, I think that the moral of the story really is that, like, I, I will send Chris Evans my blue snowball. Like, I just, I will. Like, if he gives me, you know, whatever. And obviously, he doesn't want me to get his home address or whatever. Like, I don't know. Or maybe he's, like, staying with his family or whatever. Just get a P.O. box in Dorchester or Brockton or Somerville or Brain Braintree. One of those places. Um, or if he's, you know, maybe he's uh, staying in Martha's Vineyard. I'll send a P.O. box there. But I just need Chris Evans to actually just, come on. You're not Robert Downey Jr. You, you be in this show. Absolutely. So I just want to get to highlights of this episode. And there are a bunch of highlights. I, I want to go through each of your favorites. Jake, what was your highlight of this episode? Um, I really enjoyed the bit of where um, Howard the Duck says his last name is the Duck. For some reason, that was just so funny to me. Like the notion that he actually considers that his last name, the Duck. Um, and then I think that the um, the way that Chris Hemsworth plays learning that his mom is coming um the scene with him in siberia where like he completely shifts um i think was really really funny uh and and obviously like um was heightened and exaggerated but like it it made the episode feel um because we talk about this episode doesn't have stakes. Like the thing is, it, it does have stakes. It just doesn't have MCU level stakes. You know what I mean? Like it right. has sitcom stakes, which I think is fine because that's what what if is. What if is you know perfect but house like, party scenario. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, in a if you saw in a sitcom an episode where a kid threw a house party and then learned his mom was coming home, you wouldn't say there aren't stakes there, you know. But it's just not life or death. But I think that the way that that was played and ultimately the where it came back around and you know uh, Captain Marvel showed sympathy for him, I thought was like. I think it was intentionally structured like an episode of a TV show where a mom goes on vacation and a kid throws a house party. Like that's really what became clear to me is like this, cause that's the same, you'd end the episode the same way where like the neighbor who was telling the kid to stop having a house party would then decide to help him cover it up. Like that's, and I felt like that was like a really cool structure that I realized they were doing. Absolutely. And Dalbin, how about you, sir? Big Malcolm in the middle vibes. You're right, Jake. Big Malcolm yes. in the middle vibes. Um, I, so I, 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 one of the things that I think, and again, like, even though some of the episodes have been uneven, one of the things that I've loved, to be honest, is thinking about these different timelines, right? And just like things that pop up that just really make things different. Like in this one, Captain Marvel arrives much sooner, right? Much sooner than she did in the prime MCU timeline. I think that's pretty dope. I love the fight with her and Thor. I thought that was a badass fight. Thor putting Mjolnir on her chest and her not, not even bot like, all right, man, like, this is it. You know, I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I loved seeing Frost giant Loki, right? And I, this entire time, like, I think there's been this assumption that Odin, and Odin says it to Loki, you know, I, I, I saved you from that frozen rock, right? He says that to him in the dark world. And now we realize he didn't really save him. Loki would have had a much better life staying in Jotunheim with his dad, right? And so I think it just drives home the point that all fathers in the MCU are trash, right? Like from Howard Stark <laughs> to, to Odin, they are all terrible. They're just all terrible. Um, but I, I think for me, you know, we'll get to the ending in a second, but there are some serious, serious messed up universes out there, right? We thought that the MCU prime timeline was jacked up, but now we have a timeline where it's Captain Carter who's who's Cap, right? And not Steve, not Steve Rogers, right? So that's a different one. So Bucky lives in that timeline, right? That's one timeline, right, that we have. 
we have another one where T'Challa uh, is able to curb Thanos' sociopathic tendencies to, to destroy the world. Uh, and you think that's good, but that, that you don't realize that like ego can now corrupt Peter at a much, you know, at a much younger age or whatever and plant his eggs or whatever and all that jazz. Um, you know, you have a, a universe with you have a universe with no Tony Stark, no Tony Stark, right? You have a universe with no Avengers except for uh, Captain America and Captain Marvel. Those are the only Avengers left. And then in this one, like you have a Loki who, you know, who's kind of gone off on his own and done his thing with the Frost Giants, right? And this is another variant of Loki that we didn't see in the Loki show. But now we see like just how different the universe is. And I will say too, we in Loki... Uh, we were led to believe that Loki needed Thor, right? We were led to believe that, that Loki needed Thor in order to be who he was. What this episode showed is that Thor needed Loki just as much, man. And, and I think that that's really, really dope framing because, and I think it's, I think this is one of the benefits of taking these self-contained stories that are just really like, this is Thor one, right? This is just another what if for Thor one. That's all it is, right? Whereas like some of the episodes have been kind of these like spiraling, like sprawling kind of stories. But I, I for me, it was Captain Marvel versus Thor because that's a fight. Like when in Endgame, when he calls, when he calls, uh, when he calls Stormbreaker to him and it whizzes by Carol's head, I'm like, man, I'd love to see them fight at some point. And so we got a little bit of that. So that was pretty cool. That's that stood out to me. Gonna get into that Captain Marvel Thor fight in a second, but. I will say, however, the Surtur Statue of Liberty moment was fantastic. That was. I just want to mention guess. they they did get Clancy Brown to do that. The, obviously, he's Shut a up. major voice actor. Probably just squeezed it in after some SpongeBob recording sessions. But still, that was a that was a great cameo. Um, Korg knocking out Nick Fury, tremendous. That's great stuff. But Dalvin, as you mentioned, the Captain Marvel Thor fight, I think one of the things that we didn't get to necessarily see in the regular MCU was Captain Marvel at the peak of her powers. I want to see what it looked like. And I also think that this is the thing, and we had this discussion about the Hulk and depowering and how all of that type of stuff works. It's hard to put an opponent of any type of stature against somebody like Captain Marvel, but then you put Thor. This is like the perfect example of putting somebody who can fight at uh, almost like not necessarily equal per se, but they can take a hit. So it was cool to see them actually. And I thought the animation was well done there, uh, specifically highlighting both of their strengths. And um, in Thor's case, even him trying to use the lightning and, and uh, 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 Captain Marvel thinking it's, it is like nothing to her. That was really fun. Like, I think that was so well done. And it's an example of something that you can't really necessarily do um, with the cosmic characters in the MCU, at least to this point that we haven't seen. I'm interested to see what the Marvels do with, with the character now, considering, and also Monica in the future, when whenever we see her again, because she has similar types of power. So that that was an example of something that, I've just been waiting to see in general. So it was very, it was very, very exciting. And um, I think if you look at just, uh, oh, who's that? Oh, Shivani, Shivani Banfall has joined us. Now she I'm has crashed this party. I'm late to the party. I'm actually on time to the party, right? I'm on time. Yeah, you're perfectly on time. Perfectly on time. Shivani's here. And Shivani, I was just discussing uh, some of the my favorite uh, highlights of this episode, which was which was just so much fun. It was a palate cleanser, kind of low stakes until the end, at least. 
So I'll ask you, what what was your highlights of this episode? What did you particularly enjoy? Um, I really did like the, you know, cornucopia of characters that we got in this uh, episode, which is great. Um, that ending, though, amazing for me. Um, but um, I liked seeing, um, you know, characters that in Asgard that we don't usually get a lot of um, movie time with, um, especially, you know, um, uh, Thor's mom, the greatest uh, character in this episode, um, the wrath of a mom, so great. But um, I didn't really appreciate as much Jane as it, this episode had, but it's okay. Um, but yeah, I like. Why in particular? You're not a you're not a Jane Foster fan, are you? I'm not a Jane Foster fan. Oh, I just I don't know. It'll tell um, me more. <laughs> I, I also just think like Jane Foster is, as a character, as a woman could just de- be developed better. Um, so exciting to see what happens with like Love and Thunder, but um, and she just feels so like lovesick puppy all the time. And um, that just makes me a little bit upset because she is like this lead female role. Um, so I don't know, but um, I did love seeing all of like, you know, the galaxy's characters getting together at a party which is like everyone's dream right we would all want to be at that party most yes, certainly absolutely. yeah yeah, yeah for, for, for sure i think when you get drax and you get nebula uh, you get the grandmaster there everybody chilling having a good time with a bunch of humans too frost giants even surters there hanging out I mean, goodness gracious. It's like the gambit of characters. And I think that intergalactic stuff uh, was was great. Go ahead, Dobby. Plus, we also know that the Grandmaster uses his ship for orgies. So we know it went down. We know it went down, guys. Yeah, 100%. That's the thing. That's we thing. know it went down. Once the once once Daddy Goldblum showed up, we knew what time it was. We knew what time it oh, was. Oh, yeah. And, that, and I think that's like, like kind of the funny thing because I'm going to have to guess it's because it's Disney. You know, obviously can't really do the the stuff, but I could imagine when when Jane woke up and Thor woke up and and I was I think there was a couple goats in there and the Warriors three and I could I could imagine what kind of shenanigans they got into. <laughs> I mean, it's a party planet. What do you? No shame in the game, you know. Uh, it's they're beautiful people doing beautiful things. That's all I gotta say. I will say that Disney, you know, Disney being Disney, they did. You know, the Grandmaster was riding something in this episode. Um, there you there you go. That is true. You <laughs> <laughs> that is tremendous. That is tremendous. Um, so, so while, while I have you here, Shivani, I, I'm just curious in, in general, was there any particular thing about this episode that you didn't like? And then I'll go around. Um, I actually wasn't. I, this episode didn't hold my attention the entire time. Like, I, it was fun, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like, um, I don't, it wasn't like the Doctor Strange episode. It wasn't like the um, Black Panther episode. It w- It just kind of like, it was, like you said, a, cal- a palate cleanser. So like, there wasn't anything that I was like super duper stoked about. And there wasn't anything that I particularly hated except for like, you know, Jane, obviously. But um, so it, I'm just like excited to see what we get next. Like I said, that ending held a lot. That's excited to be excited for. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's anything I really, really hated. Got you. Uh, Jake, how about you? Was there anything that you didn't like about this particular There's anything I didn't like necessarily. I wish they would have examined a little more of Captain Marvel's presence there because like clearly the reason they had to make uh, Fury get knocked out is because I think Fury would know that this wasn't an important enough job for Mar Captain Marvel to come in. And I think that like I was kind of feeling that way that I assumed that when she got there, she would be like, you need me just to break up a party, you know? Um, and I didn't really understand why she was like, you know, I, I obviously it's because, you know, Fury's in the hospital, but she probably knows he's going to be okay. And that like, it's just shenanigans. And like, I wish that they would have had more about like her basically being like, I cannot believe that I'm taking my time away from important like scroll and scroll battles or whatever to deal with just a guy who's just drunk. Um, I think that they, 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 she played up like the impatience about it, but I think the, the fact that, as you mentioned, I'll be in the ripple in this universe being that she gets called a lot earlier. The fact that that in itself wasn't examined anymore, that there was no discussion of like Fury knows only to use this if it's the most dire consequences, all that, I think was kind of a missed opportunity. But once again, these are 30 minute episodes. So I, it's that's less the thing I disliked and more something that I was disappointed we didn't go fully, fully in. I think, too, something that I've been waiting for, right? And because we know Maria Hill is, is, crazy in the comics right like she she supports the accords well the superhero registration act which is the basis of the accords and i feel like the mcu the prime timeline made her seem like she supported everything fury did right like there was very there wasn't much hint of tension between them she was very much fury's if colston was fury's right hand maria hill was his left hand like they just did what fury did and i like that this episode kind of touched on it because i remember even in the civil war comic like she's the one that went to the x-men was like you need to sign this and the x-men were like nope you know like and she was like well if you're not we're gonna send shield after you and the x-men go underground and so there's been really no hint of that like the tension that she has towards superpowered beings and here it is like to jake's point like where fury would be like no nah, i'm not calling carol for this maria hill has no problem calling her because she's like you're subservient to me i'm gonna bring you to come and break up this damn party that we're gonna have you do and so i think this showed a little bit more and shout out to robin sherbatsky man good to see her bounce back from you know the divorce of barney stinson uh to to be a person and upholder of galactic peace but i love kobe smolders so anytime i can get her i'm good yeah shout out to that for sure it and i guess for me you know, it's not necessarily that I didn't like anything in this episode. I do ask the question and wonder about the about the time constraints to a degree of what of when you're trying to my point earlier as far as uh, cramming in a lot of stuff. Now, I don't think that that was an issue in this episode. I think it was an issue, obviously, in the last episode and a few other ones where you're trying to get these uh, stories off the ground in a way that to get over to the viewer that this is something that should be really, really interesting and surprising and shocking in one way, but they always seem to not necessarily end abrupt per se, but I guess if from that standpoint, it ends up falling flat to a degree. Uh, Jake, I would just wanted to ask you particularly about that. Like when it comes to the timing and the, of the episodes and how much time that they have to try and deliver a story. Do you think that's where the show has kind of missed its mark to this point? Yes, because I think that the show can't decide whether or not it wants to be paced like someone is telling you a story uh, or that it's actually just a story being shown on screen. 
And I think that in my personal opinion, I think they would be better served by being more segmented. I think that the Doctor Strange episode did that well, where it was like, it was was fine having the Watcher come in a couple different times and bridge gaps. It was more like, I'm going to tell you a story and you're going to see scenes from it, I think is probably the better way to pace it. Um, because it, it really just feels like they're trying to cram in a lot. And when you just have the Watcher at the beginning and the end, um, like I said, like I mentioned with this one, it felt like we yada yada over the whole thing of why Loki not being there made for a party animal. Um, and whereas if you're doing it more where the watcher was more of an active narrator, you could have a couple scenes of them growing of Thor growing up without Loki being rebellious, not wanting to do anything. And then you can use the watcher then to cut forward. You don't need to uh, pace it. Whereas what they're doing now, they're trying to kind of pace it like a regular TV show. And it's like, okay, so you have the watcher introduce it. And then we just kind of need to see it play out. Like, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I think that the thing I liked about the first episode of it is the first episode distinctly felt like the watcher was telling you a story about another universe and we saw scenes from it. And that one felt very well paced. Um, and the other ones really have struggled with that because they don't use the watcher as actively. That's yeah, that's a fair point. Shivani, I, you want to elaborate? Yeah, I would completely agree. Cause like the, the only other episode besides that first one that I really liked is the Doctor Strange one, which you, Jake said, like mentioned, um, we see the Watcher coming in bits and pieces. And then for an animated series, it's really confusing for me because you, I feel like you have more creative um, opportunity to really go in emotionally in depth. And they just like didn't do that with so many, um, so many of these episodes because um we you can pace the arc based on your animation so like why are we struggling so much yeah, and i think that's a fair point dalbin would you like to elaborate yeah yeah no i mean i think shiv is on fire. i mean i think when you when you look at shows like you know like clone wars right or, or bad batch or whatever like i think you i think and even like go, my well, my favorite my favorite animated show is the is you know the last Airbender right I think you can use animation to tell emotional like just these like really really powerful stories um, I I do wonder because this is Marvel's this is the MCU's first foray into animation if there's I I I, you know, I kind of said this when we when we talked the last time like I wonder if they're still trying to find their footing a little bit right um, I think that this is a medium that they maybe didn't expect. Uh, this is a medium that they didn't expect to kind of dive into, right? Uh, whereas, like, you know, kudos to Star Wars. I think Star Wars, this was always George's vision. George's vision was always to meld the animation with the live action, right? Whereas Marvel, I think Marvel, they were fortunate. Disney Plus launched, people loved it, right? They, they were bought by Disney, right? Like, all that stuff. But I'm pretty, like, if we go back 20 years ago, like, their vision was of Edgar Wright's Ant-Man being part of the original Phase 1, right? So I think I think they're still kind of adjusting to this medium. I think, to Jake's point, and I, and I love that he makes this point, every episode i think it's dope that they've gotten the cast that they've gotten for these episodes but i think season two is probably going to be much tighter because i think they they would have found their footing and they would have found the story that they want to tell shiv i'll go to you um no i completely agree and it's interesting that you bring up something like um avatar the last airbender or even just like the clone wars where you have that world building that just like takes place um, and you have like these ongoing, um, these ongoing arcs that like inter um, interweave with each other for like a whole season. So it'll be interesting because it does seem a little bit 
um, fragmented in the sense that like each episode doesn't really connect, even though they're supposed to, like the watcher is like explaining to us like, hey, like these grave consequences like uh, will, you know, amount to something. But um, it just, it just feels like, okay, each week we're just like watching a, a different scenario of like the writer's room for Marvel. Yeah, and I think the thing that they're having a trouble with, and as someone who doesn't really consume a lot of animation and doesn't write any, I think is something I understand why they're having trouble with, even if the writers themselves are from animation. There's just, no matter how, no matter what story you're trying to tell, putting something with real actors on film always is going to be more literal than anything else. Like, it, you, it, there's, and there are things you need to show that you don't need to in animation. And, like, I thought that that's why I, I think I really liked in this episode is where they had the bit where you know Thor and Captain Marvel were punching each other across continents and they were showing that with like um then flying onto a map and I think that that's like a they should lean into more stuff like that not so much because it's silly but because it's representational because it doesn't actually need to be literal you can't do that in an Avengers movie one because the tone but also because the rest of the elements are real and we know that America doesn't have a big USA on it you know and so I think that they're they're telling they're basically like making animated versions of stories that are written for live action but you don't write like that you need to write for animation which you have a lot more freedom but also it's it's not like because you have more freedom it's very noticeable when you don't use it like it just this feels like they came up with an idea and they wrote it as if it was a live action script and then decided to and animated it yeah uh, all very very interesting and compelling points and this thing is getting a season two, so how they adjust, and obviously this is their first foray into this realm, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of adjust and, you know, fine-tune and tweak some of the things that didn't work so far this season. Now, I do want to get to the end of the episode because at the very end, uh, we really got something that was very intriguing as uh, Thor asks Jane out on a date. Uh the watcher seems very happy as he's uh, he's just enjoying watching this uh, the scenario unfold, and then what we see is one Ultron showing up with a bunch of Ultrons, and then he opens up the helmet and it's Vision inside, and not to mention he has the Infinity Gauntlet and he has a he has a whole bunch of Infinity Stones with him, and boy oh boy. We are headed for a barn burner in these last two, apparently. Now, I know next week is supposed to be Mad Titan Gamora. That's the that's the next episode. But this ending was, after all of the fun and all of the goofiness that we got, this was quite quite the close. Uh, Shivani, what, what, what were your thoughts at, at seeing uh, Ultron slash Vision? Um, Ultron Vision, evil Ultron Vision is amazing in so many ways um seeing the infinity stones across you know the um robot body is just it was a magical experience that you know i couldn't have imagined and it was beautiful <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way that you, i love the way that you, you you laid that out so beautifully uh jake how about you seeing this scenario play out well, first of all, I do think it's funny that it's vision inside of an Ultron body. Like, I feel like that's, an, you know, he doesn't need that. He's a full, already made of metal. But um, beyond that, I thought that it was really 
not necessary, but I think it was an interesting thing for them to put it at the end of probably their most objectively fun episode um, that they kind of wanted to. And I think they're also like hang, hang with us, even if even if you're falling off and because the episodes aren't connected, they want to give you something that is going to make you watch the next two, um, which obviously like, you know, people bring up to us about like have having fatigue or they don't know if they're going to watch the rest of these things. And I understand that. I also am like, well, we do a podcast about it. So like, I, I can't say, yeah, me too. It's like, yeah, I'm going to watch all of them when we do the podcast. <laughs> but um, I think that there are people who are losing interest. And I think that this is a good way to be like, there's two episodes left. There's something cool coming up. Um, and so I'm excited to see, I'm more excited to see how we get there than how, uh, what happens with it. But um, it was definitely a cool visual then. Oh yeah, for sure. And Dalbin, how about you? I'm sure you marked out for that moment. I did, I did. And, and and you want to talk and AC, we talk about this all the time, going down these rabbit holes, right? But like I think for me, I'm like, oh, so you have the soul stone. So who did you sacrifice? Did you sacrifice Tony or did you sacrifice Ultron? Right? Like, is that what you did? Who did how, who did you sacrifice to get this soul stone? Right? Like, I'm curious, right? Is this another timeline where Tony Stark is dead? Because it's, we've realized that now that's an absolute point. Tony had to die. In every universe, apparently, um, I, I'm way too excited about that. You're like, yeah, I, Tony Stark guys, died. Guys, the blood oh, I mean, if you've been following this podcast to this point, Shivani, the Tony Stark and Dal thing ain't a mix. Boy. It's also, it's also not. <laughs> I, I, I want to clarify this. I, I, I want to also clarify this. It is not just Tony Stark. It's Rob Stark. It's Ned Stark. It's all the Starks across all mediums. It's all I the Starks. Need, like all of the listeners to just know how big of a grin he has yeah. on his face right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Shiv is absolutely right. I because I mean, for me, like, listen, man, he like, is overjoyed he, right now. You want to talk about the war criminal that is Tony Stark? I am very glad that he is, you know, under the ground. But no, I so I think one, I'm, I marked out big because I thought at first it was just gonna be Ultron. I was like, man, we're gonna get James Spader. That's dope, right? And then I see the mask go up and I was like, oh, oh, okay, it's bad vision, right? It's, 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 it's not good vision here. But I, so I think, so I think it's twofold, right? I did have all those questions like, okay, how did you get the soul stone? Who did you sacrifice? Um, how did you, because there's a glimpse of the fake gauntlet, which we now know was the fake gauntlet in, in, in Odin's, uh, Odin's treasure room, right? So like, we, so, okay, so how did you get, like, I now have questions because this is substantially earlier than even Thanos gets the damn gauntlet, right? So, and, and there's a part where Nebula goes, oh, hold on, my dad is calling me, right? And she kind of goes off to talk to Thanos. So like, I did wonder, I was like, well, does this potentially take place in the same universe where uh, T'Challa becomes Star-Lord good and question. is it a good Thanos? Yeah right like could it be that is that and i and this is what i mean like you know uh before shift pulled up in her maserati to the party at, you know california early um i i was saying i was like i think i wonder if at the end of it this will all make sense in the sense that like did some of these episodes take place in the same universe like did that episode take place the same time as this one etc cetera, etc cetera. but for me i had one of the things that I think, I, and I love Age of Ultron. I think Age of Ultron is not a bad movie. I, I think, I think realistically, it's one of Marvel's best sequels in the sense that, like, I think they nailed Ultron. I think they nailed the dynamic of the Avengers. The beginning montage where they're where they're taking out Hydra and Baron von Strucker, and you know, and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, right? Like, I, 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 I think it's, I think it's really, really good. But the best part of the best part for me is Ultron. James Spader crushes that damn role, right? Like, I think, I think he just does an amazing job. And but I always thought that if you killed him because i know there's been some question amongst marvel fans like because he lives on the internet right like all dark web porn like maybe he lives forever like maybe it's one of those things right um but i've always 
Right, 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 right. So I've always wondered, like, damn, I wish you wouldn't have killed him because you could have done so much. There's so much from the comics to do with Ultron, right? There's just so much to do. And and to your point, AC, because you said this a little while ago, there's so much more that we're getting in the animated stuff, like so much deeper stuff. Like we get Captain Marvel's powers, right? We see her at the height. Like she just, like, if, if this follows that timeline, she just got blasted by the Tesseract, right? So now again, now I wonder, because she got her power from the Wait, Tesseract. Where did what are you Ultron... talking about? She got blasted by the Tesseract long before. Uh... Well, well, so right, so about ten years before, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so now, but now I wonder. Okay, so where did Ultron get the Tesseract to get the Infinity Stone? Out, That's a good right? question. Like, right? Did he run into? Did he? You know, was did Captain Marvel get blasted by this the Tesseract? Where we got Dalby like, here for these rebels. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm telling you, man. It just it brought up a lot of questions, man. So Tony Stark dying was the highlight. Like I'm like, okay, confirmation uh-huh. dead here. But there's so much good that came out of this. I'm telling you, I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like just to add on that, the because obviously the Age of Ultron movie plot was Ultron trying to merge with Vision and put himself into the body. And the fact that we see that here, to Jake's point, I would love to see how we got there. That I think some exposition is required uh, for that because that's just that's just a very seminal moment because so much changes there. So I think that's an opportunity for them to really stamp the whole what if scenario there. So I'm guessing we're going to probably get that in episode nine. But uh, I got to say, like, that this was a this was a great way to kind of serialize it. I can't remember what show did. You know, what? it kind of reminds me of Justice League um, Unlimited, uh, where they kind of had they had like an overarching story throughout the season and a couple of things happen here and there that connected stuff. And then you get to the last couple of episodes is like, okay, Hey, this is the main story. This is where we're going with this. So in that sense, it was a very exciting thing to see. So it overall, it, while this was a fun episode, I, it, this does give me a little bit more of uh, vigor going into the mad Titan Gamora episode and the, uh, guardians of the multiverse final episode that you know should be very exciting so hey two more episodes to go with this it'll be interesting to see what happens uh we'll continue the coverage going there but this has been fun to talk with you guys this week uh shivani Bamfall, you are oh i i I'm quickly before I, you give your follows i i do want to just hear like a minute on star wars visions because that's something that you were in you were involved with uh i just want to hear a little bit about that it drops this week um it is our take on anime version of star wars because we do have animated series um it's by each episode is by a different studio which is interesting um and absolutely phenomenal i hope that everybody gets who likes the star wars universe gets a chance to watch it because I do think that they are so well made. Um, Plus it's interesting because American animation series don't have the same emotional depth as, you know, Japanese anime, or you see like nowadays you see Korean anime and Chinese anime too. So it's interesting to see the interpretation of a story like Star Wars done by um, studios in different countries and um, I think that they're just so good and you get some really amazing character storylines. So I hope that you all get to watch and enjoy it because it is a great tidbit. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And where can we follow you, Shabani? Thank you for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter on all 
personal socials at, at Shivani Vanfall. Um, come party with me. Yay, I love it. I love it. Dalbino Sorio, my guy. Where can we follow you, brother? Thanks for joining us again. No, of course. And Shiv, Shiv already remote started the Maserati. So we need to we need to wrap this up. But also big shout out to Trigger, who's one of the studios that, that worked on Star Wars Visions. They did Kill la Kill, which is one of the dopest animes that I ever saw. But I wanted to say that shout out to Shiv for all her dope stuff. Guys, I couldn't be happier to be back with you guys. Always glad. AC just has to send the bat signal and I am here. We have not been beaten down by the New York Jets, guys. We have not been beaten down. Yeah. We're still here. <laughs> I'm laughing. Speak for yourself. You can't beat me down at this point. I'm, I'm so dead. Yeah, dead. Exactly. So I've been dead. Inside. You can't kill what's dead, boy. You can't. <laughs> here, buddy. Uh, but you guys, you guys can follow me on Twitter at da underscore sario underscore sario. Get your fix of politics, the Jets, the Mavs. Now that the NBA season is coming back, and a whole lot of nerd stuff, man. A whole lot of nerd stuff. Um, but always glad to be back with you guys. You guys are dope, and uh, thank you for bringing me to the party. I'm, I'm really glad, Shivani. Thank you for leaving me on the corner of Rodeo Drive. Next time I'll get there a little earlier. <laughs> and, and Jake Christie, where can we follow you, brother? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. Listen to my other podcast, No Funk, Strictly Monk, and Ramin Andre Barrera talk about the Wasted Network original series, Monk. And uh, a, a mo- more important than that, though, follow all the stuff on socials for the show that AC is about to tell you. Yes, absolutely. You can first follow me at Anthony Canton underscore three. You can follow the show at MC University Pod. We also have a Patreon. Uh, at patreon.com backslash MC University pod. I will say that next week we will be starting uh, Doom Patrol recaps. Uh, myself, Shivani Banfall. If Dalbin, if Dalbin's not doing anything, if he's hanging around, if he wants to join us, he could he could just hop in too. Uh, Doom Patrol is a DC television series that's on HBO Max. If you haven't watched the first two seasons, do so. It's one of the best shows one of the best comic book shows on television it's a and we will be all we will be putting up a free preview of um the content that we're doing specifically related to that show next week just so you guys get an idea of what we're going to do because this is a very very interesting and intriguing show so obviously if you support us there we appreciate it check out the discord or uh, uh, we have fun conversations in there all the time that inform a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the show and if um, even I want to mention not... one thing yes. for the Patreon, just for uh, we're doing a contest for for patrons. This is true. Where uh, we're doing a thing where we're accepting pitches for your episode of What If. Um, so like if you were right, what if Captain, what if uh, Sharon, Sharon Carter, what if uh, Peggy Carter became Captain America, that type of thing. Um, where we're accepting one to three sentence pitches. We're going to be narrowing down the best three, putting it up to a Twitter vote, and then whoever wins will receive a free Marvel Cinematic University T-shirt which is uh, cool because it has the logo on it and it's a cool logo that Jerome designed three years ago. Shout out to the Rome dog. Hope you feel better. And yeah, so like, even if you don't support the show on the Patreon, just support the show generally. Um, Rate, review, subscribe, the whole nine yards. And we will definitely be back with you next week. So for Shivani Banfall, Dalbino Sario, and Jake Christie, I'm Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace.